So today, um, as we continue with our, um, with our um, sermon um, theme that we was preaching through and we talking um, about some topics of, of sex on sex, we turn today in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, um, as we uh, continue to move forward. On last week, we was in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number uh, 15 through 20, and we looked at our body was is to glorify God, that our body is not for sexual pleasures, but to glorify God. And we looked at some great um, scripture on that to help us understand what our body is used for and why God created it. And today we'll be in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Um, let us pray. Father God, thank you so much for being God. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for showing your mercy towards us today. Thank you for getting us up. Lord God, remove all distractions, anything that can hinder our heart from hearing your word, Lord God. Lord God, if it's our attitude, if it's our rebelliousness, if it's our conduct, if it's the problems that we face at home, if it's the problem that we faced on the way to the, the church, Lord God, or why we got online, Lord God, remove it, that we may hear your word. Because here at Clinton Baptist Church, we believe that we are not sermon evaluators, but sermon applicators. That we apply this word to our heart, that we may be transformed and new. We thank you for your word, Lord God. Penetrate our heart today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Today I'm so grateful to have a friend of mine, um, Pastor Jimbo and his wife, uh, the Stewart family here from um, Jacksonville, Florida. We are so grateful for them coming in. They're here on vacation. Um, and we got a chance to hang out with them last night and I'm so grateful for them to come and visit us. Um, they are uh, a part of NAM and the Baptist Convention. So they have many churches they can go visit, but they came here to visit us. I'm so grateful for the friendship that we have. Um, we had a, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, uh, starting at verse number 1. It said, now concerning the things which you wrote to me, this is Paul speaking. It is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife. Let each woman have her own husband. Let the husband render to his wife the affections due for her, due to her or do her, and likewise also the wife uh, to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive or deprive one another except with consent for a time, that you may give yourself to fasting and prayer, and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. On this morning, I would like to speak to you from the topic, the questions from the Corinthian church on sexual relations. The questions on the Corinthian, from the Corinthian church on sexual relations. So here, uh, as we learned last week, the Corinthian church, these new believers, these pagan believers, uh, are indoctrinated with false doctrine. Here, um, because it was a trade city like we learned last week, uh, people was coming in from all backgrounds, and the pagan worship and Rome worship was different than what the Bible teaches, um, different with what Jesus Christ taught and what 
uh, scripture teachers. And what happened was at this time, a lot of philosophy came into the church. A lot of false teaching came into the church and they were surrounded around this pagan worship. Um, they were surrounded around um, Gnosticism or dualism or sexual worship to, uh, to goddess. And, and all these uh, false teaching and false doctrine had crept into the church. Just imagine being a, a, a young believer in, in Christ and, and, and the doctrine that you hear that crept in the church is, is false doctrine. So the believers in Corinth start to practice these things and, and allow these things to be their lifestyle and allow these false teachings to be their lifestyle. And they start accepting Gnosticism and dualism and, and, and sexual worship to, to bring glory to, to false or demigods. And they, and they start to, to, to practice these things. And Paul now comes and writes to them. But before Paul writes to them, they first write to him. Because in, like we learned in last week in chapter 6, verses 15 to 20, Paul let them know that your body was designed to glorify God. Your body was not, not created to, for your own sexual pleasures or your own desires or your, your own will. It was designed that you may glorify God in your body. And he let us know that, that our body was designed to be glorifying God because we was connected to God. We connected to Christ. We are, we are one with Christ. And, and we went through that. And, and I hope y'all enjoyed it. And I hope y'all go back and, and look at it. But I'm not going to re-preach it today. But, but he says that your body is to glorify God. Your body was set to glorify God. But now what happens, because they heard this, this is these believers in Corinth, because the church heard this, now they come back and they say, well, okay, sex is bad. So they write these questions, and we don't have the questions. We just uh, assume what the questions are by the statements and the answer that Paul makes right here in chapter 7 all the way through chapter 10. He answered these questions, and now in the, he, he comes and he says here, right here in verse number 1, he lets them know, he says, uh, uh, now concerning the things which you have wrote to me. Paul said, to, I'm, I'm going to speak on the things that you have wrote to me, these questions. Now, again, we all don't know the questions. But we can assume what the questions are or speculate by the answers Paul gives. And here in this text, the first thing they say, well, well sex is bad. Well, well, well since, since God glorified our body, remember dualism was that our body was imperfect, but the spirit was good. So the spirit can never be affected by the body. And Paul said, no, everything is connected. So we, we all want together spirit and body. And he says now, he says, uh, and, and because our body is to glorify God, they said, well, now, well, well, sex is bad. And Paul come back and he says, hold on, hold on, sex is not bad. He says, let me tell you what you, what, 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 what you need to do. He says, the first thing is he says that it is good for a man not to touch a woman. He said, here's the first thing, because they said sex was bad. He said, no, 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 let me straighten this out. He said, first thing I want you to know is that for those who are single, for those who are, are not married biblically, that was a joke. For those who are not married biblically, because I know some of y'all say, man, I've been together 14 years, and, and we, we common law married. We, we married because we've been together, and, and we've been married because we, we've been together, and, and you know, we, we seven years, five years, and we shacking up, and we got a home together, and we married. No, no, biblically married. He said, for those who are not biblically married, it's not right for a man to touch a woman. He said, it's, it's not right. So what he's saying, he says that, 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 that sex is good, but it's only good in the confinements of marriage. 
He says sex is, is good in the, in the holy union of marriage. He says so for everyone else, it's not good for a man to touch a woman nor a woman to touch a man. He says, he says we as, as, as um, single people should operate in celibacy. He says it's not good. He says it's not good. It's not good. He says that it's not good for you to, to touch a man. It's not good for a man to, to touch a woman. Paul uh, uh, says that God never designed sex. He, he, he never designed sex to be practiced outside of the holy union of marriage. God never designed it to, to be that way. He always designed it to be, to be honorable amongst the married couple, amongst the, the married people, the biblically married people. He, he, he created sex for that reason. He created it for that reason. He says a, a, a man should not uh, have relations with, 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 with a, a, a woman um, if they're not married. He says so, so, so sex is good, but it, it, you shouldn't practice it if, you, if you're single. You, you, you shouldn't practice it. If you, if you are not married, you should, not be, you should be practicing celibacy or abstaining from sex, not, not giving into sex. I know there's a lot of single people in our congregation, and, and, I, and I know this tough. I know this tough, and I know uh, sometimes we don't want to hear. So right now I just ask that you, not only you in person, but you online, just, just remove your barriers. Just re remove your thoughts. Remove your own philosophies. Remove your hardness of your heart and just hear the word of God. He's says that for singles, it's good for you not to touch a man or a woman. He says this is what, what God has called you to. God, God has called us to purity. He's called us to, to, to be righteous in him. And he says that if we're going we're gonna to walk in God, we, we got to stay away from the sexual practices as, as single people. As single people, he says that we ought to celebrate um, this practice. He said we should practice celibacy. And then he goes on. He says in verse 2, he said, nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. So Paul says, now I understand the struggle. I understand the struggle that, that you're going through. I understand the struggle that singles go through. I understand that, uh, that the struggles of, of, of sexual desires, and, and I understand the struggles. And he basically said that, that, that if you're single and you're struggling and you cannot contain yourself, Paul says, go get married. Wow, they quiet up in here today. Uh, online, online, how y'all doing online? Uh, hey, please tell me they doing good online. Did I get any hearts, any likes, or anything in the chat? How I'm doing, Sarita? Am I doing good? I'm doing good. The thumbs up online. Give me thumbs up, Zoom. Give me a clap or something, because I ain't getting it in here. He says, look, if you're single and you're struggling with sexual temptations, Paul says, nevertheless, let a man find a wife, his own wife, and let a woman find his own husband. He says, if, you, if you're struggling in this thing, if you're struggling with your sexual desires, go get married. Watch this, watch this, watch this. This, this, this is interesting because, uh, slow down, slow down, because there's so much here. He says, if you're struggling, because he understands the struggle that you have. Paul says, guess what? A cold shower is not going to work. Paul says, finding out that, 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 that or, or trying to make up things why you won't sleep with this guy or sleep with this girl is not going to work. Paul says the struggle is real, and because the struggle is real, he says that as believers, you want to be right in God. You want to be pleasing to God. So he says, if you want to be pleasing to God and you're struggling, go get married. 
He says, he says, go get married. And I like what Paul said. Look what Paul says. Paul says right here in verse number two, he says, nevertheless, since, since, since you're struggling in the celibacy, nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, because I don't want you to enter into sexual immorality, because I don't want you to live in a lifestyle that is not pleasing to God, he says, now, he says, let each one, each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. He says, go find a man for a woman and go find a, uh, a woman for a man. He said, let every woman find her own husband and let every man find her own husband. I like this because he said, go and find your own husband. See, we live in a time where people want to find other people's husbands. We live in a time where people want to find other people's wives. Man, I was just looking at TMZ, man, and everybody is passing each other wife and husband around like it ain't nothing with them celebrities. I'm like, man, I can't, I, I, I can't keep up with it. They just passing each other, husband and wife around. This is the culture we live in. Instead of chasing somebody else's husband, instead of chasing, I knew I wasn't going to get no amen, but instead of chasing somebody else's husband or chasing somebody else's wife, go get your own. Stop eyeing my wife. Stop eyeing her husband. Stop eyeing that man's wife and that man's husband. Go get your own wife. There's enough single people out here that you can marry someone. They may not look like you want them to look. They may not act like you want them to act. But go get your own. He says, he says, he says, he says, hey, go get married. If you're struggling with this sexual temptation, go get married. He said, but go get married to your own. Your own wife. Your own husband. And y'all know how it is. Y'all got single folks around y'all. Talking about, I, I want a married man because I ain't, I ain't got to deal with the problems. He got to go home. When I'm ready to get rid of him, he go back home. Well, I want a married woman because I ain't got to make no commitments. You know how it is? He said, no, go find your own husband, your own wife. He said, you're struggling, go get married. Paul says, if we're struggling with this thing, if, if you are a believer in the Corinthian church or a believer in, in, in Clinton Baptist church or a believer under the sound of my voice and you're struggling with sexual temptation, he said, go get married and find your own husband and wife. And then he goes on. He continued to ask this question, answer these questions. He said, and, and, and let the husband render to his wife the affections due her and likewise also the wife uh, to her husband. Now keep in mind the culture at this time, the worship at this time, men at this time looked at women as property. They, they, they had no really relationship with them. They was just property. As a matter of fact, in this time, the, the Romans didn't even have no rules or regulation to merge at all. They just did whatever they thought was right or whatever they wanted to do in their heart. So watch this. They would have multiple wives and concubines. So they, they, it got so bad, that got so bad, that, that, that a, a man would have a wife to cook. Then he'd have another wife for the clothes, to clean the clothes. Then he'd have another wife to take care of the children. And then he'd have another wife to travel with him. Come on, man, that sounds like some, uh, I was about to say some names, but let me, uh, let me back it up. That, uh, yeah, yeah. Me and my wife was just walking, watching the documentary, and one of these celebrities got a wife to travel with him, although his wife at home. I said, man, ain't that much money in the world. My wife been like, I'm out of here, deuce, peace. You can have it, get on out, get on out. Y'all, Clinton Baptist Church be messed up. Y'all say, pastor, get in divorce. <laughs> look, but look, this is how bad it was. 
This is how messed up it was. And, and, and he says, look, you got to understand. So then they was neglecting their responsibility of sexual relationships with their wives. So what they would do, although having these wives, they was, they was just positions or just uh, property. And then they would go out to the temple. They had a temple on the hill. And they would go out to the temple and have sexual relationships with prostitutes in the church as a form of worship. This, they, this is what the believers were doing. This is what the culture was doing. And they were neglecting their wives. So the wives are complaining. Why are you always with her and not with me? Why are you always at that temple worshiping and not with me? So Paul come here, and this is a controversial statement or topic that Paul said, because Paul says, let every woman, uh, uh, let every man have affection with his wife and, and vice versa. Here it is, here it is, here it is, here it is, here it is. For our married people, for our married people and those who, who want to get married, you, you, you got to show your wife affection. You, you got to show your husband affection. You, you got to be affectionate towards him, especially if you want some relations. I mean, I mess that up a lot of times. You know, you get that line in the middle of the bed for the married folks. Like, you know, you get the flannel pajamas and the slippers that come to bed with you, you know. Yeah, oh, y'all's going to act like that. <laughs> I got any witnesses. Okay, I got one witness. I got, you know, it, it, it get rough. He says, show affection. Show your love towards your wife. Show your love towards your husband. Greet your husband. Show the affections that is due to her. And he says for your singles, when you get married, you got to show affections to your husband and your wife. He said, this is what it's called. You out here showing affection to everybody else. Everybody else you showing affection to. I remember when I was a youth pastor at Kettering Baptist Church, and, um, and, and we, you know, we have funerals, and at the funeral we have repasts, so we'll, we'll be there because we work there, and, you know, people will come in and say, hey, pastor, want me to fix your plate? And I'll be like, uh, okay, yeah, you know, they, they fix a pastor's plate, and that's, that's a blessing, that's a blessing. But I always ask the women, I said, do you fix your husband's plate? And they look at me funny, because don't come fixing my plate if you ain't at home fixing their plate. You see what I'm saying? I'm not trying to get your husband to come up here and bust me upside the head. Don't, 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 don't be holding the door open for my wife if you ain't holding the door open for your wife. Don't be trying to get her car door or unlock the door, grab boxes out of her hand. I got that. If you ain't doing it for your own wife. He says show affection to your own wife. And today we live in a time where people don't show affection to each other. We see no holding of hands. You go out to eat, everybody on the phone, no affection. You on a date and everybody on the phone. You, you, you on your anniversary and you on the phone. Instead of showing affection, he says that we are to show affection to one another. It's okay to kiss in public. It's okay to hold hands in public. It's okay to hug in public. It's okay to show your love and affection, especially if we got young kids watching us. They should see the love and affection that is given by husbands and wife. And he says, if you have a wife, Wife and a husband, you gotta show affection to one another. When I do premarital counseling, one of the questions I ask is name me some people who you learn love from. Name me some people. Tell me about some people who you want to model your marriage after. And a lot of people say, I don't have nobody, or Beyonce or Jay-Z. That's what they say. They say, I want my marriage to be modeled after Beyonce and Jay-Z. I said, uh, you want to be modeled after Beyonce and JC? You want to be modeled as the one when he was in the elevator and get beat up by his sister because he cheated? Or you want the one you see in the video? 
Because it's two different stories here. It's two different stories. And we have to show affection to our spouse. And, and when you get married singles, you got to show affection to your own husband and to your own wife that our children may see that. That they may know how to love, how a man is supposed to love a woman, how a woman is supposed to love her husband. They may see that, that how a man is supposed to love her wife. Show affection. So Paul says that, that, that no, this, if you want to get this right, you got to show affection to one another. Do what is responsible of you as a husband and a wife. These, this, this is a question. They say, well, sex bad. Well, if we can't have sex, then Paul said, no, it ain't bad, but you need to do it in the confinements of marriage. So you got, you got to do it in the confinements of marriage. And he tells them, he says not only that they need to get married um, so they won't have sexual immorality, but he says show affection to one another. And then he says the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over her own body, over, uh, authority over his own body, but the wife does. Whoa. Now this is radical here. This is some radical stuff. I know some of y'all are like, oh, Pastor Pew, you didn't jump this something now. Woo! Woo, I know how y'all mind thinking. Look, look, this is radical for Paul. See, because they can understand that the husband have authority over the wife. Because remember, the women was just property. So the husband had authority over the wife. So that was easy. But when Paul says the woman have authority over man, Oh, no, no, that's a problem. No, nah, you got it messed up, Paul. Paul said, no, this is what Jesus preached. Submit to one another. This is what Jesus preached. And, and, and they didn't want to hear it. And we don't want to hear it today. See, because well, we got that warped thinking that because the scripture, and we, I hear people say it all the time. All, not people say it all. I hear men say it all the time. I got authority over her body. Yeah, but they skip the part where they say she got authority over y'all's. And we think about it, and Paul is not saying this in a way of abuse. He, he's not saying that you have authority over a body that you can do whatever sexually you want to do with her. He's not saying it in a, in a sense of abuse. He's not saying that you have authority over your husband's body where you can do anything sexually you want with him. What he says is he says, he says that, that, that you got to understand that, that her body is dependent on you and your body is dependent on her. It's a dependency thing. It's not, it's not some warped kind of crazy sexual fantasy that you're trying to do and you say because your body belongs to me, you got to give it to me. No, this is not a forced thing. Remember he says show affection. You can't demand sex. You can't demand sex as a husband and wife. Paul is not saying it like that. Paul has said this is dependency. This is dependency of once one another to have relations in an affectionate way. Paul said this is, this is a dependency that your responsibility or, or duty, I hate the word duty, of a husband and a wife is to respond to your wife in a, in a sexual way that's respectful to her and respectful to him. It doesn't mean we have control, man. It doesn't mean we can do whatever we want to do. It doesn't mean we can, they, they are our sexual pleasures or our fantasies. No, it doesn't, he's not saying that. He said, just as right as she got control over your body, authority over your body, you got control over her. It's a mutual thing. It's a mutual thing. It's a mutual thing. You hear me, Facebook? You hear me? YouTube, you hear me? It's a mutual thing. Paul says that her body... You, she have authority over your body and, your, and you have authority over hers. 
And Paul says, now because of that authority, watch this. He said, because of that authority, here's the thing. He said, because of the authority in verse number five, do not deprive one another except in consent for a time. He said, because she have authority and because you have authority, it don't mean that it's open whenever the light on. It don't mean the song that uh, Bruno Mars said, I'm keeping the door open every night. Dang, y'all hard, man. I need to sing the song. I'm going to leave the door open. Yes, yeah, no, I'm not singing. Y'all know I can't sing. But look, no, no, it ain't I'm leaving the door open every single night. He says, look, there's a time for rest in sexual relations. There's a time, there's a break. He said, come together as husband and wife and consult with each other to make that time period with each other. He said, this, this is not uh, your things, wife. This is not your time period. Please come together as a group. Let's come together. Let's, let's get in a huddle. Call a huddle. Come on, we need to have a huddle. He says, come together and consent with one another because your body belongs to her and her body belongs to yours and she got authority over your body and you got authority over her body. And he says, now we ought to come to together in consent to talk about this um, um, that we may take a break in sex. Now watch this. He give us three reasons why to take a break. Because I, I got to help y'all out here because I know we're going to have a lot of spiritual women after, after they hear these things. Well, he said three ways. That's why I'm saying he said a consent of time. Women, y'all can't use this as a crutch now. He give, you, he give you three reasons, okay? He give you three reasons. He says, look, he says the first thing, he says, uh, do not deprive one another except in consent for time. He said that you may give yourself to the Lord for fasting and prayer. He says that, 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 that you can uh, uh, take a break in sexual relations uh, uh, when you are consecrating yourself in worship to God. I told y'all, what the women thinking? Like, okay, I'm consecrated this two months. <laughs> My wife and I laughing, she don't like that joke. I'm sorry, baby. I'm gonna stop, stop playing, okay? I'm gonna stop playing. I'm stop playing. I'm stop playing, okay? Come on, man. Help me out, man. Golly, help me out, man. Y'all scared like that? Dang. Man, Pastor Reed, you turned his head. Pastor Reed turned his head. <laughs> look, they, come on, help me out. So, look, 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 look. He says, look. For forgiving yourself to the Lord when you fasting or when you praying or when you worshiping. He said this is a consent to, 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 um, to, to rest from sexual relations. He said this, this, this is a time. This is a time where you come together and decide that, hey, I'm going to be fasting this week or, or the next two weeks or for 40 days. I'm going to be fasting and I'm going to be before the Lord. I'm going to worship God. And he said, this is the time that will be set apart for you and God to worship. For you and God to worship and this is the time that you set apart. But I like this and this is what the whole foundation of it is. Look what he says. He says that at the end part, he says, look, and he says, and come together again so Satan do not tempt you because of lack of self-control. He says, look, 
for the husband and for the wife. Don't stay away too long because self-control can creep in and now you've been a partner with Satan to cause your spouse to sin. He says that you've been a partner with, with Satan to influence, to push your husband or your wife out there to commit sexual immorality, to commit adultery. He says, so let it be for a period of time where you all discuss, but make sure you come back together because this sexual desires, this sexual practice is really difficult to deal with, singles. Paul hosts everything on his foundation. He said, this is tough to deal with. This is not easy. He says that, that, that this thing will cause marriages to be messed up. He said, this thing will cause singles to be uh, uh, living a life that is not pleasing to God. And he said, for married folks, you need to uh, make sure you come back quickly so Satan won't creep in and take advantage and cause you to displease God or tear your marriage up. Because Satan is lurking. And I mean, he know how to lurk. He know how to stick that red dress in the right place at the right time. He know how to have that handsome man you work with at the right place at the right time. He know how, to, how it's, that he can put that right cologne on just to get you to get a smell of him. She know how to fling her hair and how to walk when, you, when she walk past you. And Satan will use every avenue he can to get you off the mark of God. And he says, we got to be careful. But for our married, for our single people, he says you ought to operate in celibacy. And if you can't get married, these are controversial topics that we deal with every day. And the sad part about it, the church is not preaching about it. We sit back and let people live sinful sexual lives like they want to do it. And the church ain't saying nothing because we're afraid if we preach like this, we won't get members. We're afraid if we preach like this, we will lose members. But I'm not here to preach for members. I'm here to hold the whole counsel of God up before you that we may be a church that is obedient to the word of God and not to the world, not to this world. This is what God called me to do. And we are here together. We are here together. Single people, hold your brother up. Single women, hold your sisters up. Fight with them. Be a team around them. Help them. And married people, help this, the married people. Get a team around you. Hold them up. Hold each other up. He said because this sexual, sexual temptation, this sexual uh, uh, immorality is out of hand. It's out of hand. It's out of hand. And Paul says, and I don't want to jump because we're going to get to it. Paul said it's not our job to judge those outside the church. Paul said, those who are unbelievers, you out there judging them, talking about the sexual relationship they have, but you won't even say nothing to your own sister and brother who is in Christ. Paul said, it's our job to judge and hold accountable those who are in Christ, not those who are outside of Christ. Will you hold your brother and sister up? Would you be responsible to encourage them? Will you hold them up? These are the questions they had. Paul, what do we do with this thing? If sex bad, what do we do? And Paul lays it out for them. And I try to do the best I can to lay it out as clear as possible. The questions that the, from the Corinthian church on sexual relationship. 
These are the questions they had. Now I know we have some people here, and I know we have some people online that may not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And what I just preached seemed foolish to you. You said that is not the way of the world. That's not how I was raised. And I understand that. But God is calling you to a different life. God is calling you to a deeper relationship. God is calling that you put his standard above all other standards. God is calling you to be personable with him. He, and he did that by giving his son Jesus Christ to be the sacrificial lamb, to die on the cross for your sins and my sins. He didn't die just for, 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 for um, rich people. He didn't die just for poor people. He died for every one of us. And he shed his blood that you and I may be right with him. And I know this word may be foolish to you because this is not what you're seeing on TV. This is not what you're hearing in school. This is not what you're seeing in the government. This is not what you're seeing in our culture today. But God, God is calling us to a different standard. And today I challenge you, do you want that standard of Jesus Christ? Do you want to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Because you can't walk in this what God has called you to walk in if you don't know him as your Lord and Savior. You can't walk in this. It's impossible. It's impossible. You can say all you want. You can say it's mind over matter. You can say whatever you want. But it's impossible because you are being influenced and controlled by the devil. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are of the devil, your father. You have no spiritual uh, 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 inkling of God in you to overcome the sin of this world. So Jesus Christ came to die to reconcile you back to the father. That you may live a different life. He came that your scales of your eyes may be taken off. That your mind may be open to the things of God. And he came that he died for you. Matter of fact, he said it in John chapter 14. That I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come through the Father except through me. He said the only way you can have salvation is you come through Jesus Christ. And he gave his own personal testimony. He says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him should not perish but ever have everlasting life. Your salvation is through Jesus Christ and him alone. Today, will you surrender? 